how you're treated this morning. So he was giving us some advice, some that we need to take, but also not to condemn people. Not to condemn people. I looked all through scripture. I never once saw Jesus condemn a person. Now he confronted sin head on. He said, you know what, brother? Sin no more. Take up your mat and walk. He addressed the sin, but he never called the person by what they did, by their failure, by their sin. He called them by their name. He said, you, sir, you, man, I know you intimately. I, I recognize and I see you for who you are, for who my father has created you to be. It's not that mess. It's not that addiction. It's not that thing you got wrapped up in. Set yourself free in Jesus' name, but without condemnation. Pharisees like to bring condemnation down. Oh, look at you. You're not worthy. None of us are. Let's move on. Luke chapter 6, verse 39, the scripture says this. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. I love illustrations. I love them. Can one blind person lead another? I don't know. Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher. Did you hear that, kids? And why worry, some of you all got that, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? I want you to highlight that word in your Bible, friends. The speck in your friend's eye when you got a log in your own. How can you think of saying, hey, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. Oh, man, I tell you, I want to pause there for a minute. I've been called all kinds of nasty things in my life, but as a Christian, That's the worst of them. Because I'm going to tell you right now, this generation, the generation of today, not just a millennial, not just the X, not just the Y, A, B, C, whatever. It is the generation that's alive, that's got air in their lungs. They're done with the hypocrites. They're done with Christian atheists. They want people who say they believe in God and know who God is. They want their lives to mimic that belief this morning. Are you with me this morning, church? They're done with hypocrisy. They say, I see that, but they want to see our failures. They want to see God pick up the mess and say, you know what? There is hope for me because you were jacked up, son. I saw you in high school. I saw saw you in the military, and I know who you were, but you're not that person anymore because of Jesus. I want that Jesus. And then he continues on. Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see, I want you to highlight these two words, well enough. You will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Can I tell you, this scripture is taken out of context so many times it drives me crazy. All the time it's taken out of context. I hear this being said. People say, don't worry about the speck in my eye. Don't you see the tree in your eyeball? Don't you see that fool? Can you can see from a mile away. Look at you. Don't worry about my mess. I know I'm jacked up. I know I'm messed up, but I'm all right. Let's just play cool. Let's just coast through life. Let's just do what we got to do to get to the other side. What? It's completely opposite of what Jesus was telling us. Because this statement, this harmful and incorrect statement that I've heard so many times, says two things. I'm good with the speck in my eye. I don't need your Jesus. I don't need your whatever. I don't need your opinion. I don't need your help. Pride. But we also point out the faults in other people. It's so easy to do that, isn't it? It's human nature. Oh, it's their fault. I did this because of you. It's so, so easy easy to do. But these are the two things that the scripture is telling us not to do. See, when I hear people talk about this scripture, I hear two questions. 
And I ask these, I ask God questions all the time. And he sometimes, most of the time he answers, sometimes he doesn't. But sometimes the answers hurt. Because you have to have some self-reflection. You've got to look at yourself and what you're saying and what you're doing and how you're responding and how you're acting. So these are the questions I asked. How can you ever know with certainty? I'm a control freak. I want certainty. I want to know for sure that we see clearly enough to take the specks out of someone else's eye. How do you know that that log is out that you can actually see? Because you people walking around with logs in their eyes all day. Oh, I can see clearly now. No, you can't. All you see is trees and wood, man, because you got a log in your eye. But how do I know? Does Jesus, here's the other question, does Jesus really intend for us to take the specks out of our brother's eyes? Let me answer the second question. Yes. Jesus does intend for us to take the speck out of our brother's eye to help. It is not just to point it out say, hey, bro, you got some sand in your eye, and just leave him there. Like, all right, you figured that out. No, we're supposed to help one another. That's why we're in church. Unity, coming together, helping one another. If somebody's struggling, man, get in there and help them. Man, I've been there, done that. Man, I got a whole closet of T-shirts about it. It's time to help somebody. And then you have to allow others to help you. That's the hard part, to receive help. Because that comes with vulnerability and what the world would call weakness is actually strength. The closer I get to the floor and the closer I get on my knees, the closer I get to my God. But you have to ask for help. Let me answer the first question. See, that word certainty, take that out. It's not certainty. That's the wrong question to ask. But it's scripture-saturated, self-dependent humility. That's the answer to that question. See, when Jesus said, well enough... What he was saying is, to help somebody, you ain't got to be perfect. To help somebody in, your, in, in marriage, you don't have to be, have a perfect marriage. To help somebody in finances, you don't have to live on Wall Street. You get my drift this morning. You don't got to be perfect. But man, sometimes it helps you. You've been there like, man, I've been down there, done that. Let me help you. Rather than to go, whoo, that looks bad. I've been there. You've been fly away from that biz. But he's saying is, you don't have to be perfect. Well enough to see clearly to help another brother. Well enough. See, these, these idiosyncrasies, these little words that we just fly right through Scripture. Like they don't mean anything. But there's so much emphasis on these words when you take them and you extrapolate them. I'm using big words this morning. I need some dollars or something. But taking these words out of the Bible and saying, what does that specific word mean? Well enough. Well, that's pretty simple. I've got to look that up. I don't got to be perfect. That's what that means. But let me support this answer just a bit. Jesus does want us to be in our friends' lives. Small groups, connections, church, that's all for connecting with one another, helping one another, being there. We are supposed to be in our friends' business. I'm not saying you got to be all up in their grill every time they do something, but you have got to have relationship enough to know that, man, if there is something wrong, if there is something off... Right? If my hair is doing crazy things this morning, I I hope y'all would tell me. Come on. But we got to have relationship enough to know when something's up and we got to say, hey, hey, can we have a talk? Because it's the context of relationship where correction can happen and and help. Right? You with me this morning, church? It's like 
you're driving down a car. Oh, that's a car. We're driving my sister-in-law's car. I, this car has that, like, lane diversion thing, right? Absolutely hate it. It tells me how bad of a driver I am. It says, your lane's divert. I am not diverting. It's the wind. Come on. But every time I would drift, it would beep and do all these weird things like, you're drifting the car. And the car, like, there was a picture of a car that was like this, like, I'm going to crash into a pole. I drifted like two feet. Come on. And my wife's like, I told you you couldn't drive. So we're never buying a car with that thing ever again. But come on, you, you don't sit there and you don't, with a friend, we'll put this in context, you don't sit there with a friend that's a crazy driver. And I'm a crazy driver. I'm from California. I get there. That's what I'm saying. And I just hopefully I just don't hit people and things on the way. But anyway, so you're getting there and, the, and you got your kids back there. You got the things that are precious to you. And they are driving crazy. They are going crazy on the highway, swerving in, and they are about to hit a pole. Do you say, well, you know, in about 10 seconds, this is not going to go well, so I'm just going to enjoy the ride. No, you say, dude, look, you're going to hit a tree, bro. Come on, drive safely. Let me back up a bit. We need people in life that can be that. If you're drifting this way, you need to have relationships that say, hey, Get back in there. You're diverting. You're going the wrong direction. That, that $2,000 TV, probably not the best choice if you're trying to save up for a house. I'm just saying. You need people in your life that can tell you no, that can speak life into you, but it doesn't come with condemnation because you have the context of relationship. You get me this morning, church? It's what sin's life. We're there to help each other avoid. But you can't just point these out. Without the context of relationship. It's like this. If I don't know somebody, and I probably know all of you, so I'm just going to pick on somebody. I'm going to pick on you, Shane. If I don't know Shane, I say, Shane, I see a speck in your eye. That's weird, right? Like, fool, I'm about to slice you right now. I don't know who you are. Why are you in my face? But if I come up, I'm going to pick on Jim. If I come up to someone, and I know both of them, they're both good friends, I just want to say. But if I come up to them and say, Hey, bro, those two girls have been really good to you. You got some gray hair over there, I'm just saying. Come on, we, we all got children. We know where the gray and the baldness comes from, I'm just saying. But you got to have context of relationship because if you're that dude in, in the grocery store and you're waving your Bible around in the ice cream shop, people just want to get some ice cream, man. And you're like, do you know Jesus? Put down the chocolate cream and listen to me. That's weird. I don't care who you are, that's weird. But did you, but when you came, unless you're like a grandpa, like I remember my, my wife's papa, man, but he, the way he approached it would be like this, see, how it got quiet. He would come to them with love, say, you know what, man, I was broken. Can I just share a little story with you? See the difference? He's creating the context of relationship and friendship. With the relationship and friendship, Jim can speak to me, I can speak to him. Shane can speak to me. I can we have relationship. We have a connection. So we can help one another. But you can't do that outside of that. Can I say the aim of this message is to overcome the blindness of pride? I'll raise my hand right there. I'm right there with you. Pride. Corrupt thinking, man, I got all this and a bag of chips. I am so good. Like, did you hear? Did you see? Did you see? Did you see me? That's good. Lifting ourselves up. God's like, I want to humble you, son. Stop. But in this scripture, he wanted to eliminate that and say, look, 
What's in their eye is just as much in your eyes as in theirs. He's not saying don't help them. He's saying just come to a place of recognition like, hey, you know what? That same speck, that same piece of logwood that you don't see, that's in there too. So, But it changes everything. It changes the way you approach somebody. Because you know what? I was condemned. I was told I, could, I couldn't speak publicly. I was told that I couldn't read. I had to go through special education English. I kid you not. Because I couldn't remember things that I read. I had some, some speech things and things I had to work on. But what the world was saying, God said, I did not create you like that. I did not make you to what they're calling you. And you're going to overcome that in Jesus' name. But I had some pride I had to get over with. But it's not just also creating non-hypocrites. We don't like hypocrites. Nobody does. But the passage is about how to be helpful, loving people to life, but loving people and being effective eye doctors. You ain't never gone to an eye doctor. I pray to God you have not, because if you have, you need to find another eye doctor. He gets in there like he's gutting a trout, like, man, I got this. Like this, this cataract, I'll slice and dice this, baby. I got it. Probably the wrong tools and the wrong method, right? But to be effective eye doctors, we have to use the tools God has given us in an effective way. And not tra- treat people's lives like you're gutting a trout, man. It ain't pretty. There's all kinds of bones. It's a mess. But we have to be careful and systematic and, and listen. We've got two ears, one mouth for a reason. Listen more than we speak. Listen to their point of view. And I looked up word this word log and speck because I'm a nerd and I like doing that so don't judge me so I looked these two words up get this in the original text it means the same thing the exact same word for both a log and speck you're like so what what difference does that make it's the same substance and what I mean by the same substance is that that speck that you're pointing out and you're trying to help is the same exact thing that you have in your eye. See, it's very easy. We can point out the speck, right? We know the speck. I see the speck. It's the same as the way you're living. But it's the same substance. The reason we can see it so clearly is because we walk through it or are walking through it right now. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. Hey, 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 before you get all cray-cray, understand where you came from. Understand that you struggle with the same thing and come in humility to help your brother out. Can I get an amen this morning? Because we're way too familiar with it ourselves. See, we see the apostles teaching. I'm just going to read some scriptures over us this morning. About ministering to one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.14. The Bible says, And we urge you, brothers, again, context of relationship, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them. Oh, I know you say patience. Like, oh, no. But some of us were faint-hearted. Some of us were idle. Some of us need to be motivated. Some of us were weak. But out of that, we can minister to other people and say, come on, it's time to get motivated. It's time to see that dream and that vision come to fruition in Jesus' name. It's time to get off the couch. You want to change the world? It ain't going to happen on Netflix, baby. It's time to get off the couch and start pouring into people and helping. 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word. It doesn't say become a preacher and preach the word. It says preach the word. Be ready in season, out season. Rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Again, there's the patience and teaching. There is a right and wrong. There is a difference, and we need to know the difference and have the discerning ability to, to distinguish from the two. But when you bring correction or you bring some teaching or you rebuke something, be careful on how we do it this morning. 
In Jude 22 through 23, it says, And have mercy on those who doubt. Come on, some of us have been doubters. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Man, you got some friends? It's starting to help them say, hey, there's another way. There's hope. There's out of, out of this addiction, out of this lifestyle, out of this whatever misery you put yourself in. I didn't get any amens to that, but we give the devil too much credit. One fallen angel, that's it. Can't be everywhere all the time. So maybe the mess that we've created was done by ourselves. Again, self-reflection. Taking the log out and seeing clearly. The New Testament church is a speck-picking church. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, again, context of relationship. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, everyone say spiritual, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourself lest you be tempted too. So check yourself when you restore and you help somebody so that you wouldn't fall on the same thing because there's a relatability there this morning. It's the same substance. That log is pride, arrogance, judgment, harshness. Jesus doesn't want us to just point the speck out, but he wants us to help them get it out. Get it out. Help them. Don't just go, man, that looks like it hurts, yo. I don't know how you can get that out flushed out somehow. I don't know. I'm not going to help you. But that's opposite. He's saying, help them. Help them remove that. It's like when you get that kid on vacation. A kid gets a small grain of sand in their eyes, you swear that their eyes were being cut up with razor blades, man. They're sitting there, you, I got sand in my eyes, I'm gonna die. And it's like a sand you can't even see, it's a little speck, right? And they're screaming like so much so that it's like miles away people can hear, and you're like, it's a piece of sand. I promise you we're not waterboarding our children, it is a piece of sand in her eyes this morning. But here's the thing. When we need help to getting that speck out, why don't we have that same, same, like, oh, I need help. It's because of pride. We all deal with it some degrees to another. I don't want your help. I'm good, man. But we need to be that child. Please don't scream like that in public. That's just weird. But ask for help. I I, I know I got something. I'm not seeing things clearly right now. I need help. Seek someone that's been there, done that. Seek mentorship. Seek a small group. Seek something other than yourself in Jesus' name. But the key in this verse 6-1 is you who are spiritual. Spiritual. And we're not going to get weird this morning. I just promise you that. But I wanted to do bring some context to the word spiritual. Because we're judgmental people. Sorry. I just We exalt ourselves by pointing out others' flaws. Like... My life is good because your life looks like Jerry Springer on steroids. So I'm doing all right. We point the finger and we blame others. It's human nature. So what does it mean to be spiritual? It means to look away from yourself. It means to be the complete opposite of yourself. Out of your flesh, we call it. And dependent completely on the Holy Spirit in humility. What does humility mean? It doesn't mean you're being humiliated. See, the world likes to twist these words. Humility is recognizing that you cannot do it without Jesus. You cannot do it without the Holy Spirit, the helper that's inside every single believer this morning. But spiritual people are those who have taken the log out of their eye, or at least trying to, turning away and turning to Jesus. But replacing, you got to replace it. You take off your glasses and you can't see. You're going to be walking on the walls and everyone's going to be laughing at you. You got to replace it with something, right? You need a new prescription. You need the prescription of the Scripture. 
You need to see how, not the world sees, but how God sees things. He said, I want to take this log out. I want to see clearly. I want to see, I want to have some discernment. I want to see if this is what's going on in your life. There's a root issue. There's something deep that needs to be revealed so it could be healed in Jesus' name. But you got to get rid of that log. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, all scripture, I don't care if you like it or not, all scripture, Genesis to the maps, is inspired by God. If you don't like it, take it up with God. It's the truth. But the Bible is really teaching us to be humble before God, to get the log out so people can see clearly, so that they can see that God loves them, God chose them, and God has so much more for them if they would just walk in his will this morning. So spiritually, spiritually, in James chapter 5, verse 19, my brothers, if anyone amongst you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. If you see somebody drowning, help them. You have the context of relationship. Hey, 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 hey. Mike, 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 Mike. You're going the wrong way. Some of you got that commercial. You dated yourself, by the way. It's like I've never seen somebody whose kid jumps in a pool who can't swim and is drowning. And then the adult or the parent in the situation sits there and contemplates and says, you know, I just had some pizza. And you know, they said on the Internet, if I have pizza, I can't swim for 30 minutes. You're not saying that. You're also not saying, you know, the last time I took swim lessons, the last time I used these abilities, a little rusty. I don't know if I got enough energy to get into the pool, rescue my kid, and come back and make it in one piece. You don't say any of those things. You're like, I don't even know if I have a swim. I might look like, like a, a weird dolphin getting in there, but I'm jumping in the pool, and I am rescuing them from the pits of hell. I'm rescuing them from the pool. Why aren't we doing that for each other? People are drowning every day. People are drowning here this morning. People are drowning in the community, and we need to jump deep into the pool with them and say, hey, I can't swim, so you got to float, maybe. We're getting back to the shore, and I'm taking you to Jesus. Come on. Crazy. But don't let uncertainty excuse you from obedience. Trust me, I'm a control freak. I like certainty. I want to know what is going on at all times. God doesn't work that way. <laughs> Where's the faith in that? Then we're just robots. I won't do what you say. We don't do that. Don't tweet that if you took a picture of that. <laughs> but in all seriousness, uncertainty to get into the pool because you're doubting the abilities that God has given you, the courage to get into the pool and help somebody, don't doubt. Don't let uncertainty rob you Rob you from so much. Get after them. Get into the pool this morning. Don't make a God out of certainty because it will prove to be a cloak for fear of drowning. I'll say that again because y'all didn't. I, don't, I stole this from somebody. This is my, my own, so I'm just going to say. Don't make a God out of certainty. It may prove to be a cloak for fear of drowning. So what he's saying is, you're so consumed with, I got to have it all. I got to get it perfect. I got to look right. I got to be able to speak right. I got to be able to do this, to walk in this ministry, to get this, this education, to get this job, to get this. I got to have my, my career figured out before I have kids. Newsflash, it don't work that way. You got to get it all perfect. And he said, I don't want you to be perfect. 
never said, I want you my people to be perfect. He never said that. So the log, what does that log represent? It's a barrier between us and seeing the way God sees and to help other people. You can't possibly, you, I'm going to tell you. I told you I'm a visual guy. I want you to really get this. So it's a, it's a log, right? You put a log in your eye, man, you can't see. It's blurry. I got like equilibrium issues. I feel like I'm going to fall off the stage. I can't see clearly. And people on the back, you can see this log, right? It looks weird. It looks awful. But this is also binding us and blinding us to be able to help. You've got no peripheral vision. You've got no discernment. I'm trying to hyper-focus on this eye. I see a sea of gray. No, I'm just kidding. But I see a group of people, but I can't make it out. They're just trees. Come on, somebody. But you let Jesus help you. Get that log out of your eye. Get the pride, the arrogance, the harshness. What I found is the areas that I am harshest on people and judgment or correction is the areas God needs to check me up the most. Those are the areas that I'm still struggling with in my life. Reflection, mirror. Man, I don't like the mirror. I certainly don't like it today with whatever's going on up here this morning. I'm just saying. You see the log in our apologies. Maybe you've said this in your marriage or in your friendship. I am so sorry, babe, I yelled. But it's because you were not listening to me. Wait a minute. Who's wrong there? See what I'm saying? The the pointing of the fingers. How about this? I am so sorry that you were offended. Wait a minute. Who is the problem? When you don't think you've got a log in your eye, you got a log in your eye. Recognizing the log, I want you to ask these questions. Recognizing what this log looks like, it represents to you. In what areas do I judge people the harshest? That's the log. That's the blindness. That's something that's going to prevent you from helping other people in your life. At what point am I most likely to become arrogant and puffed up? I told you, I do not struggle with insecurity. It's just something I don't deal with. But it comes from insecurity. You catch my drift this morning. Super confident because out of insecurity, but we got to check ourselves. So what allows me, what gets me, what triggers me to be puffed up? Like, oh, yeah, did you get that? You, you quoted that, right? That was, that was legit right there. But, but you have to recognize those things and say, no, rebuke that in Jesus' name. It's not about me. The words I'm speaking, not from me, inspired from God. Paul tells us in order to help other people, we need to know that we are no better than those we are helping. I know better than you. You're no better than me. Nobody here is any better than anybody else. But we are called to help each other this morning. You're with me this morning, church. Why is that important? Because God does not judge you based off of others. He judges you on you. He didn't separate crowds and say, okay, This is the crazy pile. This is the Jerry Springer pile. This is the other pile. And they're like, okay, in this group, yeah, they're crazy. So you're all right. That's not how God works. He looks at your life, your actions, your heart, specifically you. He don't care about the other people when it comes to you. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. I got that in my head. I got to say it out. I told you, I came back from vacation. I'm all refreshed. I feel good. But we got to look inwards, and for it to come outwards, it's got to come in love and humility. Otherwise, I'm telling you right now, it will not be received. 
You could try all day long. I can sit there and tell my dad, oh, you need Jesus. And like, I can sit there and pound the Bible and tell him this script or that. And then fly right over his head. And you're like, nah, I don't want anything to do with it. But out of the context of relationships, say, you know what? I notice you're struggling with this one area. You mind if we have a talk? Can I help you? Can I encourage you? Context of relationship. And finally, the speck. See, the people in the back, they can see. Y'all can see that log. Like, everybody knows. If people walk around with trees in their eyes, you're going to notice. Right? Unless maybe you're blind and you got two logs in your eye. I don't know. But, but you can see the log in your eye. But I'm going to ask the people in the back, can you see the speck in my eye? No. In order to see the, to see the speck in someone's eye, you've got to be close. I'm not going to get close to you, Mike, because that's going to be weird. But you've got to get close, which means you've got to have a relationship. I can't go to somebody that's in the distance. Hey, Brother Joe, I see a speck in your eyes. But fool, you can't see me from any. There's no way. There's no relationship. But the closer you get, the closer you allow people to have access in your life, they can help you. And they can recognize those things in your life that are, are binding you and blinding you to things that God wants you. But you have to also allow others to help you. Man, that's so tough. Hey, you got the log in your eye, yada, 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 yada. I, I, want, I, I want to help. I don't need help. For real? You just said you couldn't go to McDonald's just now. And you're wondering why you're broke. And I see a $2,000 TV. And you got Netflix and you got sports channels and you got. But out of the context of relationship, they're going to blow me off thinking I'm judgmental. But as a friend, they'll say, you know, I can't manage money. You're right. I watch great TV, but I haven't eaten in weeks, man. But we can't be too proud for help. I get concerned when people tell me as a pastor, oh, I don't need your help. That's dangerous. You might not have to come to me specifically. That's not what I'm saying. But you need help somewhere. Mentorship, friendship, counsel. I don't care what it is. Something. You, we all need help. Because if you don't, this is opposite of the gospel. And you start to create your own gospel of self-works and self-justification. It's a dangerous road to go down. We've got to confess to one another. You got to share your needs. If you got a need, you got to speak it like that child going crazy with the sand. You got to humble yourself and you've got to ask. See, I want to share this quick little story before we close for like the 15th time I've said. But there's this moment where I was harsh on people. I was harsh. I told you I was prideful and judgmental of people with like EBD cards and food cards. I'm like, man, get a job, dude. And then one day, God decided to humble me, not humiliate me. There's a difference. And then I, too, had to have a food stamp card or EBT card. I think that's what they call it. It's the most humbling experience I've ever experienced in my life because at a moment, I felt compassion for people that I never felt compassion for. And this is what he's driving home. Before you judge, before you try to get that little speck out of their eye, do some self-reflecting. Do some work. Get, peel, peel back those layers of the onion. Become humble when you come to somebody because now when I see that I, I, I see somebody struggling to whip out one of those those cards man it's almost like a compulsion I, I want to help you want to help somebody that you recognize that you have been there that mom that single mom that's struggling and she's got two crazy kids and trying to handle the diapers and she's in the grocery line instead of getting frustrated with her like come on this, item said, this line said 20 items, and I guarantee you those diapers have 55 or 72, I'm just saying. 
But instead, why don't we show compassion? And say, you know what? Can I step in? Can I help you? Speed up the line maybe. I don't know. But really, I'd have help to help these people. Remember, we have to help others work on ourselves and allow to be helped. If you heard nothing I've said this morning, hear that. Remember, to, we have to help each other work on ourselves and allow to be helped. So I want to close the service like this. If you could just bow your heads this morning. You've got to recognize something, that God does not love you because you're handsome. you got fancy hair and tight jeans. He doesn't love you because you're perfect, because you're not. He doesn't love you because you're successful with whatever. Instead, even when you were his enemy, he loved you despite your failures. And he continues to love you even in this moment today. So I would ask humbly, if you're here this morning and you feel like, man, I got this log in my eye and I need to get it out so I can clearly see Jesus, so I can truly understand, I can truly walk into a relationship, not a religion, a relationship with a Savior who loves me, a Savior who has my, my, my interests, who knows me intimately, who can help me. If that's you this morning, maybe you, you've strayed away world, circumstances, life, whatever. But man, you would want to set things right this morning. Say, God, I need you. I need your son Jesus right now. If that's you, could you raise your hand? I want to pray over you specifically this morning. I see your hand. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want these people to pray by themselves, but I think as a family in unity, sharing each other's burdens, coming together, praying this prayer out loud together, if you could do that with me, with them. Father, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. Forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. I believe your son died on the cross rose on the third day and is now alive. Starting today, I will run from sin and chase after you all the days of my life. I am now a follower of Jesus, saved by your grace through my faith in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, amen.